I'm going to say it slowly so you can all really savor it. Dalton Reisner signed with the Vikings. Really just milk that the Vikings signed. Dalton Reisner. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You liked it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is Sirius XM's podcasting app, which you can also find uh, the SX, SXM app. Uh, if you just search Vikings there, you can find the hometown broadcast of Vikings games. You can also find the Locked On Vikings podcast on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all greatly. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Today on the show is Twitter Tuesday, which means I'm answering your questions, and I have a big, 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 long one. So you know where to send me questions whenever you want on Twitter, at LukeBrownNFL or at LockdownVikings. Leave a YouTube comment, fill out the Google form in the show notes, or send me an email at LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Let's get into these. And the first one, of course, comes from Ingram's left arm, who threw me a bone so that I could put Dalton Reisner in the thumbnail and the title for this, who says, what's the best use for Dalton Reisner? Also, is it Reisner? Risner? I, th- I always thought it was Risner, and then somebody said Reisner. Either way, what's the best use for him? Okay, so for those who are uninitiated, uh, the Vikings have uh, had brought in Dalton Reisner for a workout. This was an idea a lot of people kind of saw made sense because he knew Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper was the, his O-line coach back in Denver, so they know each other very well. Look at that connection. Let's bring in the guy. He's a free agent. He's very well regarded. He's got like high PFF grades and stuff, but he kind of flamed out in Denver due to communications issues and, you know, like miscommunications and stuff, and also not necessarily being the road grader that he used to be, um, and sort of like getting out muscle by like three techs, like stuff that kind of made Denver say, you know what, we're good letting this dude just walk. It's kind of like Denver's Garrett Bradbury a little bit, which is why I was never quite as excited as everybody else, but make no mistake, I'm, I'm good with it. Like it's great depth love it no notes like i i don't disagree with the move or anything like that um so to answer the question what's the best use for him this is truly the million dollar question right what in the world well i guess the four million dollar question because it's a four million dollar up to four million dollar contract um 2.25 guaranteed so that's definitely not like vet min right that's not just he's a random body money that's more than that uh, and up to four million depending on incentives which means they see a world where he plays that's the first hint, right? They see a world where he plays, and at the very least, they need him as depth. They probably need him to play right away, right? Um, so there's three scenarios, right? Either he replaces one of the guards, which I think is the least likely scenario. After you lose Oli Udo to a season-ending injury, you have Christian Derrissaw dealing with his ankle thing, and you lose your center to a back injury. Who knows how long that's going to be? That's three guys that were not out nine days ago. So if you're going to bring in help from the waiver wire... Uh, bringing it in at the one position that didn't lose a guy feels like it'd be a weird move, right? And if they were really as mad about Ed Ingram as all of you are, they probably would have given him competition at some point in camp ever, or at some point in the offseason, or at some point literally at all. 
Plus, I think Ed Ingram in particular had a pretty good game against Philadelphia. So I, I super doubt that that's the case. Uh, I think it's a lot more likely that he's either here to be center depth behind Austin Schlotman, like it's kind of a this is better than Josh Sokol kind of thing, or he's here to play tackle. Now, he only ever played left guard in uh, Denver, but in college, he played all over the line. So he can play all these, got at least some experience in all of these positions, and that's probably part of what they brought him in uh, when they brought him in for a workout, part of what they did was, how do you feel at tackle? How do you feel about snapping the ball? That kind of thing. So that would be my best guess. For me, I anticipate that he's going to play tackle. If I had to guess, I would guess tackle. They just lost a depth piece at tackle, so let's bring in a guy, right? Um, they also have this Darisaw thing. Some people have suggested maybe they move Ezra Cleveland to the outside and he plays tackle like he did in college and then Reisner comes in to play left guard like he usually did. I suppose that's kind of the same where you've got a guy playing tackle that hasn't played tackle since college and then you're bringing a guard in uh, to where you know he was he has been for his whole career. So I guess that they both kind of incur the same cost there uh, or something like move Blake Brandell back out to tackle. And now you have your, your guard depth, which is a little bit less of a costly thing. And in fact, that actually seems like maybe the most sensible option where Reisner provides some depth and Blake Brandell can now go back out to tackle without you being totally thin at guard. Um, that might be the, the idea, but we'll see where he actually ends up playing. Uh, it's kind of hard to predict, but I think we'll kind of know, like keep an eye on the beat on like Wednesday and Thursday when they get to see practice and we'll kind of know what they're, they're thinking here. Brother of Rab asks, Matt Ioannidis, uh, Akeem Hicks, Ndamukong Sue, and Linval Joseph are all currently free agents. Could any of them help our D-line? I'm kind of over the old guys, uh, like I guess, but I think the problem was more of, of, of one of like youthful athleticism and a lack thereof, you know? Uh, so the old guys, they'll be assignment sound, they'll do what you need to do, like they're veterans, they know how to play, but, you know, what is the where is the athleticism right and that's kind of why those guys are free agents what where is their ability to hold a gap against a, a 22 year old you know right guard um maybe they still have it i don't know they they would probably insist that they still have it but that's kind of the deal with me but i am look i'm not going to be ever too against it unless they're paying 10 million dollars for somebody that's like not good right unless unless the cost actually is substantial which i don't even think it really is with reisner right two and a quarter million dollars is barely one percent of the cap like that's nothing in terms of like guarantees and if he does hit all those incentives which i imagine are playing time for four mil then we very much got our money's worth so i it's like not a contract that i have ever will ever have an issue with and i think probably would be the same so like sure why not but i don't really uh, i wouldn't get like super stoked on it because those guys are old and i'd be kind of concerned uh josh asks what is the fix if it's that our d-line is just plain and simply being outweighed okay so the fix might be on the roster might just be activate jaquel and roy and have more big bodies out there because it's not necessarily that you know dean lowry Kyrie tonga and jonathan bullard all lined up and they got bullied and they kind of did and that's something that's a bit unique to philly that's not something everybody's going to be able to do um but like a lot of it was they were in three, three, five. They had Ivan Pace in an A gap taking on a guard one on one. You can just decide to not do that again. <laughs> There's the fix. The fix is free. Stop doing that. And yeah, it paid a lot of dividends in coverage. And so I'm just kind of like looking for a little more balance. It's sort of the crux of the point that I made um, on Twitter and I actually made that in a Patreon video, patreon.com slash NFL about Ivan Pace. So if you want to see an Ivan Pace hype reel with some responsible uh tempering <laughs> then you can there too 
Uh, Mario asks, in the spirit of hashtag optimism and hashtag glass half full, what is an area or two the Vikings are excelling at so far this season? So I will give you cover, or I'll give you pass pro, pass pro, honestly. And I know that sounds completely insane, but they've, they've got like the fifth best pressure rate in the league. It's like 27%. Like 33, I think is like a normal, or 30 or something like that is like a normal pressure rate. Maybe it's even 35 and they're at 27. Uh, and in particular, that's like pass block win rate kind of stuff or like PFF's pressures, which sort of behave like a pass block win rate. Um, in terms of like pressures allowed and stuff by like offensive linemen. It's how many did your tackle give up and all that stuff. I think that's the stat that I'm referencing. Uh, there's been some free rushers against like the Todd Bulls blitzes. That's what they're designed to do. And then kind of beat our protections. And that was more of a schematic thing, but the actual pass protection from guys like, yeah, Ed Ingram, Ezra Cleveland, even Austin Schlotman has been fairly successful. So I'll give you that. And then the next one comes from uh, James is going to be the second answer here. While the run defense has certainly been given cause for concern, how have you felt about the passing defense? So my second thing that's going well is coverage. I think coverage is going great right now. Um, they give up a couple of explosives, and that's kind of the world we live in where like mistakes get ultra uber omega punished. But they've been playing a lot more mistake-free football. I remember this time last year, we were going, oh my God, they bust like nine coverages a day. What is going on here? And they were like pretty poorly taught. This is going back to a new scheme. I had all kinds of concerns about going from Zimmer scheme to Donatel scheme to Flores's version of the Zimmer scheme. And kind of, especially for like the young guys. And hey, maybe that did kind of screw up scene and booth, right? That's putting those guys behind the eight ball a lot. Uh, but seeing that, work out on the back end with the guys like Josh Metellus and um, Cam Bynum and stuff. Cam Bynum's playing out of his skull right now. I'm really happy with the coverage. And I was like my primary concern going in. So yeah, that's absolutely something we can hang our hats on. This is a very, very deep and long mailbag. So I might have to speed things up and go into a rapid fire mode a little bit next. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace medical the jace case is their main thing it provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and sometimes you got to jump on a call with a, a board certified physician and you can get ongoing care from jace cases jace medical's physicians for any treatment related questions but it gives you this this bag this little like kind of uh travel bag of antibiotics and other life-saving medications, which can be really, really important to have on hand for situations like maybe you can't get to a doctor for whatever reason, some kind of emergency. Just always good to be prepared. With all kinds of natural disasters and events and pandemics and supply chain stuff, it's more important than ever to be prepared. And you can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical and you can get an additional additional twenty dollars off by using code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code locked on for an additional $20 off, already getting $360 off. Once again, J-A-S-E medical.com promo code locked on. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. And if you want to go ahead and gramble on the upcoming Vikings Chargers game. The Vikings are currently favored by a point and a half at home, uh, but on FanDuel Sportsbook, at least as I look at it, that's also plus 100, which means the betters have been hammering the Chargers. So if you want to get a good value, bet on the Vikings, or maybe emotionally hedge and bet against the Vikings, or do alternate lines, player props, whatever it is you want to do, you don't even have to bet on football. Go bet on a WNBA game or soccer or whatever. You can do whatever you want. 
at FanDuel.com. It is safe, secure, and easy to use. And new customers can get $200 in bonus bets by just making one $5 bet. Make a $5 bet on the Vikings. You don't even have to win that bet on the Vikings. You still get $200 back in bonus bets. To claim that, you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can kick off the NFL season with us. Get caught up on your grambles. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks again to those of you who listen to the show every single day. I appreciate you all so very much. Those of you who watch all the YouTube shorts, follow me on Patreon, all that stuff. Couldn't do any of this without you guys. I appreciate you quite a bit. Uh, the next question comes from Scott Graham, who asks, do you agree that Hertz's first deep ball over Theo Jackson wasn't even a good throw? I thought Smith had to stop almost allowing Theo to break it up. Yeah, it definitely was underthrown. Uh, I broke that one down on Twitter. Theo Jackson just kind of didn't feel the play fast enough, and so he broke on it late and he was behind, but he absolutely could have made a play out of phase because of how underthrown that ball was. He didn't. Great play by Devonta Smith to make that contested catch, but it was a contested catch. Making a play out of phase is kind of hard, though. You have to kind of just throw your hand up and hope you, hope it gets somewhere. But yeah, if you catch Devonta Smith in, in stride, I mean, he's waltzing in. Um, and he broke the tackle, and or, or no, he did get tackled on that one, and I think they ended up only kicking. Uh, Hayden asks, what are some things that O'Connell can do to help Madison gain yards through scheme? Um, so there's all kinds of things that you can do to try to get a little bit more push. You can, um, you know, use lead blockers in a different way and stuff. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think the Vikings care too much. They've been pretty good at generating successful plays uh, on the ground. They've been able to get the four or five yards that they need to kind of stay ahead of the chains. And that sets up their play action. I think that's kind of all they need out of the run game. It's not going to be an explosive run game with Madison. He's not an explosive running back. Like that's, that's not his game. It's not supposed to be his game. It's not the game he's trying to have. He's a physical wear you down cloud of dust kind of running back. And that's the, the game they want to play in the run game. Now to do that, I do think you need a little bit more volume and I'm not sure that extra volume is worth the dividends that wearing down the defense pays off. And that's been covered ad nauseum. Um, so I don't know if that's actually the thing. I think they're probably just okay with where the run game is. And it's just not going to be very interesting to watch. And you just kind of have to get used to that. Uh, Carlos Skoll asks, the Vikings continue this weird trend where Cousins plays out of his mind, but they keep losing games due to circumstances not entirely his fault and ultimately end up missing the playoffs. Will the Vikings extend him? Um, so my take on this since the offseason has been no and acknowledging that that's probably not fair, but that's just going to be the way it happens. You have to kind of look at it and say, okay, if they don't make, they're a 500 team and they don't make the playoffs. Buying into Cousins is sort of sort of buying into more of that. I know it's a team game and it's more than that, but like there is this, at, the, at the, this broad, zoomed out high level, that's going to be the vibe. And I just don't think the Vikings are going to go for that. As incorrect as you may feel like that vibe is, it is the vibe. It's just going to be the way things feel. Uh, and they're, and that's going to be what kind of drives that decision. It's just the way it works in the NFL. If you go 500 a whole bunch, you're a 500 quarterback and you've got mid-energy. Like, it's just the way it is. Um, that said, if things go the way that they've gone so far, I don't think Kirk Cousins has, like, earned an extension because he has to play super, super, super consistent football. You can't get strip sacked twice. You can't throw, uh, you know, risky passes that end up being broken up, possibly intercepted. Like he had a couple of those against the Bucks. Um, you know, you can't have Bozo plays, that kind of thing. And he's been very good. Like he's been, I didn't love him against the Bucks, but I loved him against the, the Eagles. So far, like, don't take me the wrong way here. He's played well, but for him to get extended into his late thirties, it has to be a, an offer you can't you can't refuse. It has to be like non-negotiable. And I don't think he's played non-negotiably. 
Uh, Skull Squatch asks, do you know if anybody's tried to line up using a two-gapping nose tackle over each guard to cover all four A and B gaps using two players? So that's another run defense thing. Um, yeah, that's a very common goal line thing or short yardage thing. Teams doing that in neutral situations is, I think, a little bit more extreme than anybody's really ever willing to go. Uh, and there's a lot of, you don't need to do two nose tackles in the A gaps, but you can tighten up the front. You can do bare fronts and stuff like that, where you've got kind of three D tackles inside the tackle. That, that's going to take care of the gaps well enough. Um, but two nose tackles next to each other is a common like answer, to you know, QB sneaks, that kind of thing. Uh, it, it has its place. But if you put all those big slow guys up there in a neutral situation, they'll just run to the outside and make those dudes run. And you're going to end up wearing down your big boys. Uh, Skull All Day 27 asks, Vikings are first in blitz percentage. Does Flores ever back off this number in anticipation of teams countering that specifically, or is it more of a YOLO thing? Nope, it's a YOLO thing. Get used to it, baby. We just live here. Everything is going to be completely insane all the time. It will never calm down. It's like that scene in The Good Place where they kill Janet. It's like, can you chill out a little bit? Nope, it's going to be exactly the same every time. Get ready for the roller coaster, and no, we do not have seatbelts. Skullchester asks, looking at the Flores defense in Miami, do you think it would be important for us to draft a DT with legit pass rush next year, similar to Christian Wilkins? Sure, right? Like, that's great. We all always love an interior pass rusher, but I think the goal, and, and DT probably will be a need because a lot of the guys the Vikings have are on one-year deals, and it's not that great a group anyways. Um, but I think the goal is going to be more finding a big body that can kind of clog stuff up. That could be Jaqueline Roy, right? He was a healthy scratch last week, and I wonder if he'll continue to be one. He's somebody I've kind of been calling for to get more run. But um, I think it's more about that, about run defense with D-tackles. It's a luxury, not a need. I guess that's a thing. But hey, yeah, pick a luxury in the draft. You got a good player, go get the good player. Like, don't overthink it, you know? Um, not, not like a super necessity though. And I don't think the Vikings are struggling at all to like generate pressure with all of those blitzes too much. Like they got a lot of pressure on Jalen hurts, not so much against the bucks, but they got pressure on Jalen hurts. So they can find ways to get pressure without it, but they can't find ways to manufacture run defense. That one, you kind of, the, the lights are on and you you get exposed for what you are. 50-year Vikings fan asks, how do you fix our screen game? Do you believe that opposing defenses are being tipped off or is it just poor execution or both? Okay, so with screens, for one, screens are really, really difficult to install and, and execute. They are going to be one of those things that just is hard to do correctly. There's a lot of intricate timing stuff. Uh, and to do it really correctly, you have to spend a lot of practice time on it. And some teams are going to be willing, more willing for it to be a sort of 50-50 proposition if that means that they don't have to like waste all their practice time on it, right? Um, that said... When you look at the screen and you want to try to determine why a linebacker figured it out, watch the guards and the center or whoever's going out for the block. Maybe it's the tackle. It depends on the kind of screen. Watch who's going out and just how they sell their fake. Because sometimes they'll sell it too much and they just won't be out to block the way they're supposed to. And sometimes they'll go right out immediately and a linebacker who is faster than them will beat them to the spot. There's this sweet spot of execution and timing that's all about feel and rhythm that is really, really hard to execute properly. And when you can, it can be totally lethal. I mean, how many screens is Dalvin Cook just taken to the house, right? Uh, but it's, 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 it's a really hard thing. So if you want an answer, it's probably going to vary screen to screen what needs to be fixed for this kind of thing to not happen again next time. Uh, but it's not like there's not like one magic fix 
but it's probably got something to do with the lineman either leaving too early, leaving too late. Sometimes it's the ball getting thrown too early or too late. Sometimes it's the route getting thrown too far or too shallow. Like every single thing has this precise little mark that it's supposed to hit. And when it, when it orchestrates together, it's absolutely beautiful, but there's all kinds of points of failure to a screen. It's a really difficult thing. I have a whole bunch more questions to get to, and I want to make sure that I get to them all. I probably won't, and I apologize for that, but we'll get to as many as we can as we continue with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. This episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is my new favorite way to play on the side with uh, NFL games. It is daily fantasy, but it is not the totally broken world of, of like daily fantasy pools where you have to first off, you have to pick like a whole fantasy lineup. And oftentimes you're just like, hmm, I think this quarterback's going to do pretty well today. And then you got to pick like a whole lineup. You got to put it into a pool with a thousand different people. No, none of that. Just the players you want to play with and just you versus the house. You just have to decide whether or not they're going to do more or less than like 12 fantasy points or whatever. And that is what makes prize picks so much fun. And you can put them all together, try to maximize your payout as well. I've done my prize picks, prized picks, uh, and hit on both of the ones that I actually did these this week. I've done one a week on Vikings games. I'm going to keep doing it. It has been an absolute blast. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL, and you can join me by using code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL, code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Moving right along, F3Z asks, what do you think is keeping or kept Addison off of the wide receiver two spot? I might argue with you that it's not the wide receiver two spot. Do we put that in as snap counts or as targets. And I think by differentiating, that can make you understand, right? KJ Osborne's a better blocker. He's going to get more snaps. Maybe that calls him wide receiver too. Okay. But Jordan Addison's getting more targets and he's getting more production. He's getting more run. So in terms of who is a more prevalent passing weapon, that's Jordan Addison for sure. So he might've already taken it. But I also want to point you to like snap counts for other rookie receivers. Outside of Pukunakua, which... That's insane. And Zay Flowers, who's doing great. Um, Jordan Addison isn't really behind anybody else in, with like serious run. Uh, he is getting just about as much uh, run as you can expect a rookie to get in his first couple games. So it just takes a minute to get kind of used to the speed of the game and to be trusted and all that stuff to get on the same page with your quarterback. There's just acclimation and that's okay. Um, he's not getting benched, right? Like he is progressing about as long as you could ever reasonably expect. Uh, that works for me, I guess. Purple Velour asks, does Addison pose enough of a vertical threat to defenses to actually benefit the rushing offense more with his speed over the top than the team is currently betting, benefiting from Osborne's superior run blocking? Okay, I see what you're doing here, this like pass to set up the run thing. That could happen. Um, but I think right now, Jefferson is the one having that effect. And I think you have to be up to like a higher level to have the effect where teams will start to change the way that they fit the run. The The answer to play action when you're a defensive coordinator is you change the run fits to match what action, what run, what play action you think you're going to make, right? So if they're really worried about deep passing, yeah, they'll put their safeties deeper maybe or their corners will line up deeper. But often those guys aren't really in the run fit at all. So they don't, that doesn't really have the effect that you're looking for. 
the the effect that you're going to look for is if you have run action to the right and then you boot to the left and, and and you're killing them with that because of Jordan Addison, teams will then tell their linebackers to freeze their fits a little bit to say, to kind of stand there and read before they react, um, which is then you can take advantage of in the run game, right? That's the kind of effect that run and pass has on each other. And I don't think we're really scared of their wide receiver too. We'll get there, but I see where you're coming from. Next question comes from Rock NHL, who asks, was that Philly game the best of Kirk's Viking career? The best of his career? Yeah, probably not, no. There were games in 2019 that were unbelievable. There were kind of forgettable games in 2020 and 2021, like that game against the Titans in 2020 that was like the JJ breakout game. Like there have been some crazy Jettis games that uh, probably overcome this Philly one. It was a good game, very good game. I would say, like, I would almost call Kirk better in the Giants playoffs loss. I don't, like, it might not even be the best one this season. I mean, who knows what happens this, for the rest of the season, right? But if you put it into last year, it's not his best game last year either. Uh, I would I would give that to the Commanders game last year. That he was absolutely cooking. But yeah, yeah Kirk did well. Um, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, though. Next one comes from Peter, who asks, which is funnier, the 0-2 Chargers losing to the 0-2 Vikings or the 0-2 Vikings losing to the 0-2 Chargers? Truly, I think that is what is at stake in this game. I cannot answer that, but uh, this this game will undoubtedly generate something very, very, very funny. And for that, all we can be is grateful. <laughs> I think that's on the line. I don't know. It's put it up part of the prize pool. Uh, Ken Lovin asks, who's having the more this team season? <laughs> Like, ah, this team. Uh, The Chargers charging up or the Vikings vikinging it up? It also feels like it's this like on the line. The Chargers have had two very Chargers-y games. Down to the wire, heartbreaking ending. Um, And the Chargers, their their art is everything being the exact same every single time. There's a consistency to it. There's always a, you know, a missed opportunity in the third or fourth quarter that you, you could go back to. There's always you know, some kind of kicker woe sprinkled in there a whole bunch. There's always a two-minute drill catastrophe that you could write a whole book about what happened there. And there's always some break of bad luck that you just go and you just have to sigh and throw your hands down. The Vikings are different because they do it different every single time. You know, like they don't repeat their beats a lot. Hey, we had a 13-win season, we went to the wild card, and then we lost. That's not something the Vikings had really ever done before. Right. Not since, you know, go to 1975 in the Hail Mary game like that's they don't do that every single time. If they're going to lose in the playoffs this year, it's going to be a wild card and then it's going to be an NFC championship. And then it's going to be a, a a year where they, you know, make the wild card, win a game and then go get dusted in the divisional. And it's going to like they mix it up so that you never quite see where the punch is coming from. That's the Vikings. Right. So. What kind of game are we going to see here? Is it going to be exactly like a Chargers game or is it going to be something totally unique? I think that's part of what's on the line. Uh, Ryan L. asks, does a shifting defensive philosophy to more heavily emphasize the run make sense against a pass-heavy Chargers offense, assuming Eckler doesn't play again? Um, that's a really good point. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's totally fair. Assuming Eckler, if, if Eckler is in, the Chargers have one of the most efficient run games in the league. Um, without him, they probably are still going to be all right, so I don't know... Uh, exactly how powerful that that is. But I totally feel you. They want to drop back. They want to throw 60 times a game. And maybe we should prioritize coverage again. But 
if the game plan is make Austin Eckler beat you, like I don't know if that's the best answer we can possibly come up with. So what I'm asking for is not necessarily going from over-prioritizing the pass to over-prioritizing the run. I'm asking for a little bit of balance. You got to pay attention to both things. And I think the Vikings failed to do that against Philadelphia. Um, School Squatch asks, why isn't JJ getting as many targets as Puka? I hate you. Uh, because McVay is, Sean McVay is a completely psychotic person and uh, we probably shouldn't try to emulate uh, his insanity it's something only he can get away with uh digger asks i don't want to be this guy okay i know you digger i know that's a lie you absolutely want to be that guy all the time uh but cam acres to the vikings actually makes sense plus it what would be a win trade-wise if we did do it um okay so cam acres to the vikings does make sense in the sense that kevin o'connell loves bad rams he really likes bringing in players from the rams who aren't very good so yeah sure okay that that makes sense. Um, I don't think that Cam Akers is a very good running back at all. I don't think that he like meaningfully improves upon Alexander Madison, but he's probably in the like conditional seventh world in terms of trade. Uh, so I, it's like functionally a waiver wire pickup, and I don't really care. Sure, do it if you want, but I don't know. We, we've got Miles Gaskin at home. <laughs> Train Rider asks, this will be the last one, Vikings keep allowing 60-plus yard field goals. What can the Vikings do to improve their kick defense? Only kind of joking. I can't process this. So I asked in the middle of the game, I was like, that was a franchise long Jake Elliott field goals, franchise long for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody had ever made a 61 yard field goal for the Philadelphia Eagles in their history. They did it on Thursday night against the Vikings. I was like, I feel like I've heard that line a million times before against the Vikings. It's always like a 62 yarder at the end, at the end of half that they just boot through. It's the most beautiful kick you've ever seen. There's never drama to it. You know, it never, it never is close. It is always down the middle and it would have been good for 70 every single time. What can they do to improve their kick defense? Probably nothing meaningful. I will say there was a move from the Patriots on Sunday night where they actually had a guy motion in, get a running start, and they actually got a kick block of it. I would immediately steal that and just see what the team does to try to beat it. Oh my God, would I be stealing that so hard? Let's install it today if I were Matt Daniels. So there's something they can actually do to maybe meaningfully improve. But uh, crazy bad luck. Somebody later responded to me and had looked up all of the franchise kicks and eight of them happened against the Vikings. A full quarter of the league has set its franchise record against the Vikings. I got to think that that's tops in the league. Even if you think about like Denver, where it's easier to kick in general. Um, I mean, look, the teams that play twice in Denver, there's only three of those. There's like, I don't know. That's That's got to be, that's got to lead the league, right? I don't know. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. It's completely insane though. And, and it is honestly a factor of sustained bad luck, which is supposed to be impossible, but nothing's impossible with the Vikings. Gotta love them. Tomorrow we will talk a little bit about what's going on on the offense. I might talk more about coverage if I, if I uncover something interesting or worth sharing and other observations that come up. So I will talk to you then. Uh, I enjoy these mailbags a lot and I love you all. And as always, it's cool.